The Chicago Bears will have a new head coach in 2024. The bigger question right now is, will Ryan Poles be the one to hire him? You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the show today, we assess Ryan Poles' culpability in the Chicago Bears' failures over his last two seasons in charge. We all agree he deserves at least some blame, perhaps even most of the blame, but all of the blame? I'm not so sure. And it's kind of hard to evaluate a general manager in a season and a half. And how do you separate what's Ryan Poles' fault, a bad decision by him, versus maybe decisions he made being made to look worse by the coaching staff he picked? You know, it's trying to sort of separate, like, what was a good idea from Poles that didn't end up panning out versus what was a bad idea in the first place. So we'll start with a question that a lot of Bears fans have, like, was Matt Eberflus really Ryan Poles' choice, or was that handed to him by Bill Polian and the Bears' selection committee, and did, did Poles not really end up picking Matt Eberflus in the first place? We'll look at the free agent decisions, where I think Ryan Poles has been at his worst, but is any GM really good in free agency? And we'll wrap up with the draft, where it's early, but I think the returns so far have been decent from Poles, and it makes it kind of a complicated question of whether or not he should be fired or whether or not we can kind of trust him moving forward. The big thing that a lot of this comes down to is, okay, he is the general manager. Everything that happens on the team goes back to him, no matter what. Things that are successful are him. Things that are failures are him. And he was the general manager when Matt Eberflus was hired as the head coach. And we're seeing pretty clearly that that was the wrong hire as head coach. And ultimately, that falls back on your general manager for being the boss of that person and being the person who essentially decides, puts his name on hiring, yes, this guy is going to be my head coach. Now, at the time, you may remember when the Bears were hiring Ryan Poles, they assembled a committee. It was Ted Phillips. It was George McCaskey. It was uh, like the Bears director of diversity, a, a woman whose name I can't remember for sure. And I think maybe even Soup Campbell was part of that committee. And then Bill Polian the former Indianapolis Colts executive, were part of that committee. They picked Ryan Poles. They also picked three preferred candidates for head coach, one of which was Matt Eberflus. And so a lot of people have been, been pointing that and saying, well, see, Ryan Poles didn't get to pick his head coach. That, that, that panel that picked Ryan Poles also kind of picked out the head coach for him. They, they gave him this panel of candidates, or this, this, these finalists, that he then you know, had an influence on the finalists there, but maybe he didn't get a chance to really interview the guy that he would have wanted to have. But I want to try and eliminate some of the hindsight bias on here and maybe make sure that everyone's on the same page by going back to 
Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus's introductory press conference because Poles was asked about this kind of directly, and he gave a fairly strong endorsement of Matt Eberflus as his guy, even though he was also one of the guys presented to him by the committee that had hired him. Ryan, at what point in your process did you realize that you and the Bears were in lockstep about Coach Eberflus? And was there ever any point where you had a candidate in mind that you wanted to bring in after the three finalists were kind of predetermined? That's a good question. So when we went through the process, you know, it was a Zoom first, so I was able to give uh, a list of candidates that I really liked, and, and Matt was on that. And when I got here on per in person, we brought him in, and the moment he walked in the room, I knew he was the guy, and especially when he started going through his plan. And the big thing to know is, is I reach out to a lot of people to make sure I'm lined up the right way. I, I reach out to people that have done it and been successful at it. And every single person said, when you know, you know. When you know you got one, you got one. And I'm a guy that when I have conviction about it, it's time to go. So that's kind of how everything fell into place. That sounds to me like a general manager who got the coach he wanted to be his head coach, right? Like when we try and assign, okay, did Ryan Poles actually pick the head coach he wanted or was it almost sort of forced upon him by the committee? Like it kind of sounds like a little bit of both at the same time where, yes, this committee came forward with finalists that they thought should be in the head coaching consideration but Ryan Poles also had Matt Eberflus on his list of coaches that he was extremely interested in. And then Ryan Poles ultimately was the one who decided, maybe based on that finalist list, who he was going to hire out of that group. He did make that decision for sure out of that three. It's a question of the, the, the only real lingering question there to me is, had that committee not involved in this process, would Ryan Poles have included perhaps other potential finalists and maybe liked one of them even more than Matt Eberflus? Perhaps, but I don't think Ryan Poles was in any way forced to hire Eberflus in the way that might exonerate him or excuse him and say, well, Eberflus wasn't his guy, so Poles should then get a chance to really hire his coach and not get the coach that was just kind of sprung on him. I think Eberflus was his guy, and he got that wrong. Does that mean we no longer can trust him to hire any coach? Not necessarily. I mean, I think you lose the benefit of the doubt for sure, but like... You know, one, he's 0 for 1. It's a small sample size of 1, but it's a big mistake. And not every general manager can survive hiring the wrong head coach. But some general managers have had better success hiring a second coach than they have with their first coach. They learn lessons from having picked the wrong guy and go into the next head coaching search and do a much better job of finding a better head coaching candidate. So perhaps the, the head coaching decision, well, certainly a bad one and one that I'm not going to absolve Ryan Poles of blame from, is that... Is that reason enough to say, fire him, don't bring him back, get a new general manager? I think it depends. Depends on how you feel about his ability to evaluate players, right? I think the question of do you fire Ryan Poles or not is a holistic evaluation. It's how much do you trust him to pick the next coach, but also how is he doing signing free agents, making draft picks, making trades, building a team and a roster separate from the coaching staff decision. That, that's one of the factors, and it's a big factor. But if you're comfortable enough with the rest of it, maybe that gives you enough comfort to say, all right, let him pick his own candidate this time and not have a panel recommendation. We'll, we'll kind of check in on, okay, well, how have things gone in free agency and in trades and in the NFL draft? And where does that leave us on how we feel about Ryan Poles? Next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast 
is brought to you by our partners at eBay Motors. And eBay Motors is teaming up with host of Locked On Fantasy Football, Vinny Iyer, to bring you some of the best fantasy football picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny's picked out for us in this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. New York Jets running back Brees Hall had a tough season so far with limited usage, but his explosive 56-yard rushing game on only six carries against the Chiefs in Week 4 is great foreshadowing for what could be coming up some of his best games of the season. When the Jets blow through the Denver Broncos this upcoming week, look for Hall to fly mile high with his speed and explosiveness. We've seen how bad the Broncos' defense is, especially against the run, especially versus faster back. We saw it with Khalil Herbert on Sunday against the Broncos. Expect Hall to go off to help the Jets get a much-needed road victory. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is here to help you with your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors knows that a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. And we know the same thing is true for your vehicle. eBay Motors has over 122 million parts for your vehicle. You can make sure that your ride is always running smoothly. We're talking roof racks, bumpers, brake kits, LED headlights, whatever your car needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed you fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, it's always going to be great prices, so you're making sure that you're not spending too much and you're getting the right fit. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So I'm willing to give Ryan Poles some of the blame, most of the blame, all of the blame, on the Matt Eberflus hire. But you know what? If he got the coach wrong but was still a very effective general manager at team building and stuff. And if you can point to it and say, well, he's doing the right things, but his coach just held everything back. Well, maybe he's still worthwhile as a general manager. And I think his track record so far on free agent signings is not encouraging. But I also think that's true for a lot of GMs in the NFL, even on teams that have been very successful. So that's why... I don't think free agency necessarily is the perfect measuring tool, but it is part of this equation for a general manager. But when you think about the moves Ryan Poles has made in free agency in two seasons, let's let's go through them rather quickly here. But you know, his first his first offseason as GM, you had what Justin Jones brought in as a defensive tackle, still on the team, uh, perhaps underwhelming on a two year twelve million dollar contract, but a starter, I guess. I mean. I'm not going to say that's like a good signing, but it hasn't been horrible, right? Like not not bad, not terrible, not a major bust and an absolute waste of time and money, right? He's all right. But then it's, okay, Al-Qadim Muhammad at defensive end, bad signing, bad player, made it one year into his two-year deal. Lucas Patrick has been bad every time he stepped on the field, but does have some depth and versatility there and has been a guy who they can go to as a starter when they need to, and it's just been... A little bit rough, so it's not a complete disaster there, but not, uh, you know, not a lot to be super upset about, I guess. I mean, it was only a two-year, what, $8 million deal at the time anyway, so it wasn't like you're investing a ton of money into him, and he's been, he's stuck around. He's been, a, I, I guess, you know, maybe a little bit low below expectations, but not useless. But then, okay, Byron Pringle at wide receiver, bust, but only a one-year deal anyway, I suppose. Trevor Simeon, we know. Okay, average backup, I guess. Uh, at the at the last minute, Riley Reef proved to be a pretty good signing on a one-year, $3 million deal. He had some valuable depth for this offensive line. 
linebacker Nick Morrow below average, but a one-year deal. Like, that's the thing about Ryan Poles' first free agent class, right? It was almost all one-year deals or two-year deals that had really, like, one year plus a team option on it. And so we didn't expect that free agent class to come in and be great. But what we were looking for, I think, is, like, any of those guys that came in on the cheap to really exceed expectations, right? To really be a steal. That's the thing about general managers in free agency. Like, most of the time, most GMs are bad in free agency. You don't see a team built through free agency. So most GMs don't do well in free agency. And most big contracts in free agency don't really tend to pan out. And so to me, like evaluating a GM in free agency is about avoiding disasters, like not getting so financially sunk in bad players that you're screwed in bad contracts. And also then finding gems, finding cheap players in free agency that way, way, way outplay their contract value. Like those are the two things I'm looking for. It's not that you have to hit on all your big signings, but it's like you can't miss horribly. They can underwhelm, but you can't totally swing and miss and bust on a big free agent signing. So like in Ryan Poles' first first free agent class, you know, I guess Riley Reef is kind of a decent, good value signing on a one-year deal. I mean, maybe Michael Schofield, but that's about it. But they're also earning like al Muhammad Muhammad's the closest thing to a bust, but it was a two-year, $8 million contract. Lucas Patrick's was too. Like those weren't like the kind of busts to where you look at that and think, well, Poles is such an idiot for signing that guy. Like they took a chance on a, on cheap players, but didn't really didn't really do much with that. How about free agency though? This past season, twenty twenty three, we've only seen four games of this year's free agent class, but the Bears had a lot of money to spend, and it's felt underwhelming at best. I mean, we've talked a lot on the podcast already about how Tremaine Edmonds and T.J. Edwards, your two big linebacker signings. Like, they're making tackles, I guess, but not those high-impact plays. Occasionally a tackle for a loss, occasionally, like, a pressure on a blitz, but, you know, the big forced fumble, the big hit over the middle of the field. We, we thought these linebackers were supposed to take away the middle of the field in coverage, right, and allow, make sure that quarterbacks can't throw middle of the field, but instead that's where quarterbacks have been attacking more than anything. And so, to me, both of the linebackers have been varying levels of disappointing because I think expectations were higher because Tremaine Edmonds gets a four-year, $72 million deal, and T.J. Edwards gets much cheaper three years, $19.5 million. But still, like those were your headliner free agent signings. I don't think they're quite disaster territory yet because it does come back to the coaching, right? Do we feel like Matt Eberflus is using T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds to the best of their ability? I don't. So does that mean they're bust free agent signings? Or could you see a better coaching staff come in, utilize those guys better and make Ryan Poles look smart for having signed them. Like that's, that's what I'm stuck on a little bit when we talk about Ryan Poles' free agent class. Cause you look at some of the other guys, right? Nate Davis at guard, the other early big signing bad for the first three weeks, but he looked pretty good against Denver. Like he's settling in a little bit here. That might prove to be a good free agent signing. We so far it's been messy, but if he starts playing really well, that can still pan out. I mean, the jury's out on all these guys for sure, but Nate Davis might be turning a corner. DeMarcus Walker was supposed to kind of be the big pass rusher. He's been pretty underwhelming. That one I'm more disappointed in. He just has not had the impact that we thought he might, and that was supposed to kind of be the big pass rusher signing. Unique Ngakwe is a one-year deal type, supposed to be a mercenary, and he's also been a little underwhelming, but again, not like a disaster at this point. It's just the whole defensive line as a whole is not very good. And you can't expect those two free agents to like fix all the problems on the defensive line. It really takes a whole group effort there. PJ Walker, pretty catastrophic failure, but cheap 
failure, but definitely a bad free agent signing as we go down the list, like uh, Travis Homer, backup running back, whatever. But I will say this. If we're looking for gems, the nose tackle Andrew Billings on a one-year $2.75 million deal has been a great value. I mean, he's been maybe the best free agent signing so far this year for the Bears. He's been really good for four games. Like, that's one of those good, signed a guy late, got good value off of him that you can be a little bit excited about. Robert Tanyan, pretty bad. Rasheem Green, pretty bad. Mercedes Lewis is fun. Dante Foreman is a healthy scratch, though. I mean, that's that's a little bit rough there. So, like, I don't know. I look at Ryan Poles' free agency then as a whole over these two seasons. You don't see very many home runs, and that's a concern. But But I'm not quite there on catastrophic busts to where you sign a guy and you immediately are like, oh, God. That was a mistake, and now you're stuck with this big, long contract. The jury's still out on the big, long contracts they've had that they just signed this offseason. So I can't sit here and definitively say Ryan Poles is absolutely terrible in free agency because I point to the coaching staff a little bit. You know, Unique Ngakwe and Demarcus Walker, could another coach utilize them better, have more stunts or better better pass rushing schemes to get them better matchups instead of just lining Ngakwe up for this left tackle over and over again? And Can you move Demarcus Walker around in different ways? Like, I'm not I'm not sold that they're for sure all bust signings, but I'm certainly not sold that they're all good for agent signings either. And that's what makes it hard to evaluate a general manager after two seasons. Like it's a little bit easier with the coach because you can see wins and losses and our players getting better or worse. But the GM can only like put the players in the hands of the coaches. And it's a little bit hard for me to say like definitively all of his free agent signings have been miserable. It's been like he hasn't overspent really on anybody in terms of putting them in a difficult financial spot. All the big contracts they've signed have been low on the guaranteed money and structured well so that the Bears can get out of them pretty early. So he's not hamstrung. Like they could cut TJ, they could cut Edwards or Edmonds after like two seasons. So like they're not locked in there. And again, like most GMs struggle in free agency. Most big name free agents don't do well when they sign big contracts. There's a reason they become free agents and the Bears don't want to be a team that builds through free agency. So is it that critical? I mean, it is critical and it's, but it's compounded by the bad coach. And if the Bears had a good coach, maybe those free agent signings would look better. And so I don't think it's as black and white as just polls, bad coach, bad free agency, get him out of here. It's like probably, I mean, bad coach, maybe bad free agency, certainly bad Chase Claypool trade. That's the undeniably Ryan Poles did this and made a big mistake. You couldn't, you can't, that one is tough to live down. And when you add bad trade plus bad coach, maybe that's enough to fire your GM. But there's also good trade, DJ Moore was a masterful trade. They got a bunch of draft picks and DJ Moore is really good. Like that was a great trade. Universally applaud. I think no Bears fan would disagree. Like that's a great trade for the Bears. So it's not like it's all bad trades. Maybe the Nikhil Harry trade, mediocre. Uh, Alex Leatherwood off waivers. Like there's a lot of warts to Ryan Poles for sure. I'm not here to come in and say he's actually a good GM. You're wrong. But it's, is he so bad that you got to fire him? Because when you look at his draft record, again, jury's still out on all these players. But there's some reason to be encouraged by the draft picks compared to some of the previous Bears general managers we've seen. We'll kind of go through what we what we know and what we still want to see from Ryan Poles' Chicago Bears draft picks next on Locked on Bears. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides online therapy and makes it really, really easy. And if you've been thinking about starting therapy, BetterHelp is a great way to get started because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. It can be intimidating to start therapy, to go into an office, meet with a person in person, and, and really have to commit that much time in your day. You know, leave home, go someplace, meet with that person, and, and to come back and commit all that time. Maybe you got to take time off work. 
With BetterHelp, it's super easy. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you know what? If it's not the right fit for you, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I do online therapy every single week, and it's a super important part of my mental health regimen. Just like going to the gym is good for my physical health, going to therapy is good for my mental health. Not because things are broken and need to be repaired, but because I want to be at my best. And that's what I love about BetterHelp. BetterHelp can help you make your brain your friend. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. It's way too early to assign like definitive grades on Ryan Poles' draft picks so far. But on the spectrum, much like the free agents, like on the spectrum of like, are we encouraged by them? Do we feel like there's potential? Do we feel like at, at very least guys are on the right track versus guys are clearly busts, guys are clearly not panning out and clearly not going to be a part of the long-term future and clearly a wasted draft pick at this point? There are certainly players that fall into the wasted draft pick category, but I think for the most part, not not bad. You know, dare I say, like, good, pretty pretty good. You know, you start back last year, 2022, right? Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker in the second round. We all wanted a wide receiver there. Many of us wanted George Pickens there, although Pickens, is, you know, is good, but not having as much success this year in a bad Steelers offense. But regardless, like, separate from what you may have wanted in the alternative, Kyler Gordon looked really good before getting hurt to start the season. Again, jury's still out on all these guys. None of these guys are, their careers are not defined from here, but I think we, we were pre- pleasantly encouraged by the progress we were seeing from Kyler Gordon before he got hurt. And I think we, we are assuming that when he comes back healthy at some point, he will pick up from there and show good progress as a promising slot cornerback. I think we can check a decent, we're encouraged there. Good enough. Jaquan Brisker. I don't think you're going to find too many complaints about Brisker. Not a perfect player, still flaws, still trying to get better, but a guy that we feel like we can kind of trust and rely on a bit on the back end who can do a lot of versatile things. So like his two first two picks in that second round, again, maybe not what we wanted at the time exactly, but they're panning out pretty well so far. Then the obvious one, Valus Jones in the third round, terrible. No doubt about it, bad pick. Blame Ryan Poles for making a poor evaluation on that one, for sure. No doubt about it. Not going to sugarcoat Valus Jones. Fifth round, Braxton Jones, starting left tackle as a fifth round pick. I think Braxton Jones, while he's flawed and maybe eventually will need to be upgraded from, he's exceeded expectations as a fifth round pick. Like nobody thought Braxton Jones would be starting as a rookie and maybe not even by a second year. Most fifth round picks do not become starters. Like I'm not, this is not to be a, let's argue about how good Braxton Jones is conversation. That's not, it's not, the point is not how good or bad he is. It's that for a fifth round pick, he has exceeded expectations. Maybe he's not going to be a pro bowler. Maybe he's not even going to be a long-term starter, but he's been a starter and can be a backup at a minimum in this league. And for a fifth round pick, that's pretty good. Dominique Robinson, there was, I'm starting to sour on Dom Rob, to be honest. He hasn't made the kind of progress I'm looking for yet. I don't certainly, again, he's in his second season. We're not, we're not writing him off by any means, but not seeing the step forward there so far, but for a fifth round pick, you're not expecting a fifth round pick to become a starter. So it's not like he's a bust. He was drafted 174th. I mean, the fact that he's even in the rotation is still pretty good. Then it's all the rest of that draft from that year is all sixth and seventh round picks. You know, Zach Thomas did nothing. Tristan Ebner did nothing. Doug Kramer hasn't done anything. Okay, I'm not not worried about that. Uh, Jatari Carter as a seventh round pick, some promise as a backup guard. That's pretty good. That's that's I wouldn't call it like a full blown steal, but I mean maybe maybe a full blown steal. For a seventh round pick, he's exceeding expectations. 
Elijah Hicks, uh, you know, whatever. Trenton Gill, uh, Bears could do better as a punter, but like they're seventh round picks, so sure. Like they're not totally wasted picks. That's for a seventh round pick to not be a total waste. That's a pretty good draft class. Like, yeah, bad Bayless Jones. Everybody else is either good or a late round pick that doesn't really matter. I'll take that. That's a, that's a pretty good first draft, all things considered. Better than a lot of Ryan Pace drafts. Better than a lot of Jerry Angelo drafts. And let's go to 2023, right? It's only been four games. No one knows for sure, really, whether Javon Dexter or Zach Pickens are actually going to be any good. We don't know that they're bad. We don't know that they're good. I don't know that we can make any definitive actions about them. But Darnell Wright kind of looks how we expected. Some really strong moments, some bad moments, and that's what we knew coming in. Like, he's raw, needs to be developed. Unfortunately, I don't have a ton of faith in this Bears coaching staff to develop him and the defensive lineman. And so that's going to become a part of this question of, like, if these guys don't pan out, is it the coaching versus, you know, the talent that they actually had coming in? But, like, for, for now... Donald Wright does not a bust. He's not a complete bust. Looks like he kind of belongs. We'll see how good he actually becomes, but not out of place the way like, you know, it was apparent right away that Valus Jones was not going to work, right? I mean, like we figured out pretty quickly that that was a bad draft pick. We wanted more confirmation, but we, we, we there was some pretty quick doubt that like, oh, this one doesn't look good. But like that hasn't been there for any of the rookies this year in this year's 2023 class. Like have any of the rookies looked just like, oh God. That guy does not an NFL player. Like again, Dexter and Pickens are, are really, really raw, but Wright looks looks the part. Tyreek Stevenson, everything we thought he would be, you know, boomer bust type of cornerback, good physical press man coverage, makes some plays on the ball, gets burned sometimes. Like that's exactly what we thought he would be. That's a fine draft pick so far. Roshan Johnson's been a, the exact steal that we thought he would be in the fourth round. That's a great pick by Ryan Poles. I mean, Roshan Johnson's gonna be your starting running back next season and might be by the end of this season. We'll see how it goes. But that's a great pick for Ryan Poles at 115 overall. Tyler Scott, you know, still early, fourth round pick. We'll kind of see how that one plays out. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not going to praise Tyler Scott for doing anything amazing so far, but he hasn't been bad, right? Looks better than Valus Jones and was drafted later than Valus Jones. So Tyler Scott's not a bust, but not a definitive thing there. And then, okay, Noah Sewell, the linebacker, backup who doesn't play that much. Terrell Smith, the cornerback, playing a little bit as a fifth round pick. You're not expecting him to be great by any means. I think those guys are fine. Like, I think the rest of the picks are fine. So like across Ryan Poles' two drafts so far, Really bad, uh, really bad Valus Jones pick. And that's kind of it for like big misses. Dominic Robinson might be a miss. Some of the sixth and seventh round picks might be misses, but that's okay. And then jury's kind of still out on your developmental defensive tackles. I'm a little worried about how those guys will pan out in the long run because they are really raw. But for now, we can't say that they're not good picks. Like we don't, we just don't know. And so like, it, it kind of leaves me with this totality of Ryan Poles where it's like decent at the draft. And especially if, you, if you're talking about this upcoming draft next year, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but everybody's talking about it. The Bears right now control the number one and number two pick in the draft. We'll see a lot of season left, but like they could have two top five picks. Do we trust Ryan Poles with those top five picks? He didn't take Jalen Carter and he sure looks good with the Philadelphia Eagles, but would Jalen Carter look good on this Chicago Bears team with this coaching staff and this locker room? If your defensive coordinator resigned after week two or week one and Chase, Chase Claypool is blowing up in the locker room and there's locker room drama and your head coach doesn't have control. Do you think Jalen Carter would be doing this well in Chicago right now? Because I don't. Plus, some of the concerns about Jalen Carter were very real. There were things coming from the Georgia coaching staff. That's why the Bears and a lot of other teams didn't want Jalen Carter. I think Jalen Carter is so far being specifically successful with the Eagles because it's a really good Eagles team and a really good defensive line and a veteran locker room with good leadership that makes that successful that the Bears were not. So that's, I think, part of the equation there for, for that. So like... Pulls pretty good drafting so far. 
And if Poles is going to be drafting a quarterback, presumably a new head coach will want to bring in a quarterback. Separate from how you feel about Justin Fields, when they fire Eberflus, new head coach will come in. New head coach is going to want his quarterback. And Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields. He's going to want his quarterback. I think as soon as Eberflus is fired, it means Justin Fields is gone too, eventually. But Ryan Poles did find Tyson Bajent as an undrafted free agent. And not that Bajent is the second coming of Tom Brady, but for UDFA, sure looks pretty good. So is that a sign that Ryan Poles has some quarterbacking evalu- evaluating ability? I, that's maybe a little bit of a stretch, but right when you combine that with decent draft record, like do you trust Ryan Poles to take the right quarterback at the top of the draft? I'm not saying you should, but I don't know that we have a ton of reason to distrust him in the draft just yet. Exactly. Some reason to be weary about free agency, certainly reason to be weary about him picking a head coach. I ultimately think they'll let Ryan Poles keep his job. I mean, unless it, if they go 0-17 this season, that's a different story. You know what I mean? Like there is, or if, you know, a Bears coaches get arrested, like more, you know, if there's like off-field issues, right? I mean, if, if, if things really hit the fan in Chicago, like in even more franchisely embarrassing ways that come back to Ryan Poles, sure. There's a, there's a scenario here where he gets fired. But I tend to think they'll give him a shot at picking his next head coach and maybe not have Bill Polian or Ernie Acorsi hovering over him when he goes to make that pick. We'll see. But that's kind of how I see Ryan Poles as not so black and white, good GM, bad GM, but flawed GM, but some things to like and maybe some things you can you can blame on the on the head coaching decision he made and not blame on him making a bad decision separate from the head coach. So that's that's where there's some nuance to it here. But I'd love to hear what you think about Ryan Poles. Leave us a comment here in the Lockdown Bears YouTube video. Uh, tweet us at Lockdown Bears. Post in the Lockdown Bears Facebook group or text me in the Lockdown Bears subtext group. Join subtext.com slash Bears. If you want to just text me directly your thoughts on Ryan Poles, check all of that out. However you do it, though, make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts because that's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and hopefully every single day. Coming back tomorrow as we'll talk to David Harrison from Locked On Commanders as part of our Crossover Thursday podcast previewing the Bears Commanders Thursday night football game. Then on Friday, we'll recap whatever happens on Thursday. And there's growing murmurs of maybe Eberflus being fired if the Bears lose this game. So maybe just maybe we'll have a new coaching decision to talk about on Friday as well. Whatever happens though, podcast will still be here for you each and every day to make sure you have another opportunity to bear down.